It is Monday, May 15th, 2023, and welcome to episode 220 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm Lester Munson, NSI Senior Fellow, and I'm joined by Jamil Jaffer, NSI's founder and executive director, and Jessica Jones, a gritty but reluctant superhero from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So today we're talking about uh, elections in Turkey. Turkey had an election yesterday. There was no clear winner. No one got over 50 percent. So there will be a runoff in 13 days. There's a lot of issues uh, in the U.S.-Turkey relationship. Turkey, of course, uh, like the United States, a member of NATO. Turkey actually has the second largest military in NATO after the United States. Uh, but there's there's been some disagreements in the relationship. Although Turkey has opposed officially the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Turkey continues to have uh, an almost normal relationship with Russia. Uh, Turkey has purchased Russian weapon systems against the recommendations the very strong recommendations of the United States and other NATO members. Turkey has also uh, conducted bilateral relationship with Vladimir Putin as if nothing has happened. I will say uh, Turkey has done some constructive things. Turkey helped negotiate the deal that allows for food exports from Odessa. So it has played a constructive role in some ways with respect to Ukraine. There are other issues in the relationship. Turkey opposes what the U.S. is trying to do in Syria, specifically uh, taking action against the Syrian uh, Free Army and the Syrian Democratic forces, which the U.S. supports in Syria. Of course, Syria is right next to Turkey. There's a lot of uh, complicated um politics between different groups, mostly involving uh, Kurdish militia groups and Turkey. Uh, Turkey's state-owned bank, known as Halk Bank, may be involved in evading sanctions on Iran. Uh, so there are, there are a number of issues in this relationship. It's uh, given the situation with the election in Ukraine, this is a good time to reflect on where things stand between the U.S. and Turkey. Uh, and so uh, let, me, let me just do a quick take on the, the election. Basically, Erdogan, the uh, president Erdogan, who has ruled Turkey for the last 20 years, received about 49% of the vote. His main rival, uh, Kamal Kilic Darolu, received about 45%. A third candidate who received about 5% has thrown his support to Kilic Darolu. So we could see a very interesting runoff election here in 13 days where this this dynamic is going to play out. Jones, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts uh, before we get to Jamil and your thoughts on Erdogan and the U.S.-Turkey relationship. Uh, I think, you know, if Erdogan wins in 13 days, I don't think we're going to see much of a change. You listed a whole bunch of things the U.S. and the EU are not happy about that have not changed, right? As the second largest military in NATO, as the 11th biggest economy in the world, and this geographic strategic um, point in between the East and the West, Turkey holds too much leverage for us to get too angry about anything. We're going to continue to find areas to work um, with them due to our interests. Um, but what I do find interesting, though, considering how bad the Turkish economy is, I think, it, you know, the lira is down 60 percent against the dollar as you know, from two years ago. Uh, this social contract, I think, that Erdogan had much like China, ha the CCP has, which is you'll get economic, you know, stability, prosperity, mobility as long. And you might have to deal with some political crackdowns, but that's what you get in return. That doesn't seem like it exists anymore. And you see people angry about it. And so even if Erdogan wins, how much capital he has for the next five years, I, you know, I do wonder about. Jamil. Yeah, no, I think just is exactly right. I think that uh, if Erdogan wins, we're not likely to see it more friendly to the United States or Europe, uh, Turkey. Um, and I actually think that's exactly why uh, we want Kilis to, uh to succeed here. Look, uh, Erdogan has been a 
utter disaster for all the reasons you laid out uh, for the United States less. Um, and uh, that's a problem. And frankly, he's been a disaster for the Turkish people as well. Uh, hyperinflation now in Turkey, um, the uh, the disastrous earthquakes uh, with 50,000 dead uh, because of uh, lax building codes enforced by his party, the Justice and Development Party, um, and a poor response to that earthquake. It's kind of odd uh, or funny, uh, you know, in some ways, tragic uh, in many ways, uh, that uh, uh, if Erdogan does go down, he's going to be done in uh, by an earthquake the same way uh, that he was elected to power 20 years ago. Uh, it was a result of the 1999 earthquakes, the twin earthquakes in 1999, uh, that led to him coming to power, the response against uh, the parties in power at that time. So uh, it is somewhat ironic that that may be what does Erdogan in. Uh, but look, you can't be a member of NATO and buy Russian weaponry. It's just it's just crazy. Um, and the idea that we've got let him get away with it this far, thus far, and are letting him block the entrance of Sweden to NATO is ridiculous. Uh, we need to uh, push Erdogan a lot harder. And frankly, uh, if Kilic Girola pushes him out, so much the better. So one of one of the things that happened in the in the run up to this uh, election that happened yesterday was there there were some interviews with Kilic Dorolu from the Western press and he he basically said that he's interested in a more stable relationship with the United States and NATO and kind of hinted that it'd be looking more to the west than to the east uh but I I really do kind of wonder how much of this is really based on the how much of the decisions Turkey's been making over the last couple of decades are based on the personality of the leader and how much are just based on the interests of Turkey qua Turkey, if you will, like the, the actual strategic situation Turkey finds itself in. I think it's a, I think it would be a mistake for us to expect too much, uh, from Kilic Dorolu if he wins in a couple of weeks to, as if he's going to be that dramatically different from Erdogan. Erdogan's dealing with some, some really profound changes going on in the Middle East. Turkey's on the rise. Saudi Arabia's on the rise. Israel very much on the rise. The the dynamics are shifting all over the place there. Turkey's basically been given the cold shoulder by the rest of Europe. They're not allowed they haven't been allowed to join the European Union, even though they were they were looking to do that a few years ago. So there's as much as we want to pin a lot of these decisions to Erdogan himself, a lot of it has to do with just the the nature of Turkey and the situation that it finds itself in. So I, I'm a little concerned here, Jones, and I'd, I'd like to hear how how you think about a, a, a possible Kilic Dorolu administration uh, in Ankara. How much, you know, I'm a little worried that that we're, our expectations will be too high. What do you think? Well, exactly your point, right? Europe is um, still Turkey's top trading partner. And they, you know, starting in the early 2000s, began a lot of economic integration. And that kind of just got put on hold a bit with Erdogan, right? So I think if we get a new, I'll just say administration, because we like to use that term, administration, you know, the US for its part can encourage Europe to be more welcoming into further integration. So like, you don't, you don't want to overstate what the impact of a new president could be, but it could be big. But what I also do find interesting about this election is, you know, I think a lot of people in the West think about it as, you know, referendum on democracy, like, you know, having a more democratic, you know, a, a president who respects rules, law and democratic institutions. But if that was the case, if that was a referendum, I think it would be a blood against Erdogan. So it doesn't seem like the Turkish people feel the same way that like all the things that we all the hopes and principles we put on this election are actually being felt about the Turkish people, to your point, less about not maybe overstating what the significance of Erdogan losing power could. Jamil, what do you what do you think of this idea that uh, and, I, and I tried this out on Brazil uh, a couple of months ago, you guys really didn't like it. But I, I do worry we look at politics in other countries through the lens of our own politics. And we see Erdogan, who's you know definitely taken some authoritarian type decisions. And we kind of 
rack it up against the the perhaps authoritarian trends in our own politics and and we judge accordingly is that is that really a good way to think about the US Turkey relationship or should we be perhaps uh, have a have a a bigger lens on the situation. No, I mean, I think you're right that we have to look at it from Turkey's perspective and understand where they're coming from. And I think you you may also be right that this isn't just about Erdogan, uh, that, it, that you know, Kilis may also, uh, you know, have uh, undertake decisions that aren't in the West's and in the U.S.'s interest. I mean, that's that's the nature of every uh, relationship with every nation in the world. Um, Turkey uh, may be a particularly tough case because of its location and its strategic importance and its ability to get away with uh, some of these things as a result of that uh, strategic location has just pointed out. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean we shouldn't defend our own interests, defend NATO's interests, and and explain to any Turkish leader that the purchase of Russian weaponry, the opposition to American policy in Syria, um, and uh, and 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 the like are not things that are that are important to us and maybe red lines for us. I mean, you cannot have a NATO country buying S four hundred. It's just it's just crazy and it's unacceptable. And and Turkey should be pushed uh, very aggressively and told that if it continues to do this, it will no longer be in NATO. Period. Full stop. I don't know if I'm happy or concerned that we all seem to be in fairly close agreement on uh, the issues presented by Turkey. Uh, Stay tuned, folks. There's going to be another election in 13 days. We may have more to talk about. Okay, that's a wrap. Thanks to Brooke Aga Khan from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again on Wednesday for another episode of Fault Lines, the podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debates shaking up America. Fault Lines is also now up on YouTube, so check out our page there. And if you like what you heard and saw, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 